Hello, I'm Elder Greg Newman, and I want to welcome you to New Hope Fellowship Online. I want to thank you for tuning into this message. I hope and pray that it helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and challenges you to study God's Word. If you'd like more information on who we are as a church, you are invited to nhfchurch.org. If you're interested in partnering with us financially to help us continue to share the gospel with those around us, visit nhfchurch.org and click on Give. Again, I'm thankful that you are here listening, and I hope you enjoy this message. Uh, We know many of you. Many of you know me. I'm Pastor Greg, but some of you do not know me. And I just want to share a little bit about our story to give a little basis of the perspective that I bring into this this morning. Terry and I met in college, um, and it was was about as close to love as first sight, if you really believe in that type thing, uh, as as it could be um, for me. Not, not, not so much for her. I actually, I actually uh, saw Terry walk down the floor of my dorm, and I told my college roommate, that's the woman that I'm going to marry. That is absolutely true, which was interesting because I hadn't met her yet, all right? Long story short, through a series of what I believe was um, a highly, uh, highly ordained events of God, we, we began to get to know each other. And we began to enjoy being together. And um, as, as time transpired, it was clear to me that that initial thought that I had was one that, uh, th- that I needed to figure out how to make that happen. Um, in the early stages, Terry didn't really want to have a whole lot to do with that. So it was the story is, is much more complex. But we ended up getting married relatively young. I was still in college. I was a junior in college. Um, in May of this year, we will celebrate 40 years. And, and so when I, when I talk to you and I, I bring thoughts from God's word about marriage, it's not just what I've read, it's also what I've experienced. And I'm sure that Terry and I have gone through many of the things, if not all of the things that, that many of you here have gone through as well. As, as, as a young married couple, um, uh, we, we did the things that young married couples do. You enjoy spending time together. Then your kids come along. We, have, we actually have what I consider almost two sets of children. Our oldest, Corey, as you know, is 34 years old, and she's in Hawaii with her family and five of our grandchildren in ministry. Our son, Luke, is in Chiang Mai, Thailand with his wife and three of our grandchildren and a fourth on the way. Yoo-hoo. Which will make which will make nine. Um, my son Nathan is actually in the audience today. He's sitting there, and um, and 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 Nathan came to us in a very special way, as did his sister Sarah, when we adopted them from Guatemala. In a story that takes a lot of time to explain, but basically God said, "There's two kids that you need to go get," and we said, "Let's go get them." And so I stand here before you. That's a, that's a really quick snapshot of what I bring here today in terms of who, who we are as a, as, a, as a family and who Terry and I are as a couple. And um, I don't know, many of you may not be aware of this, but prior to me coming to New Hub, I actually served for several years as a marriage pastor. So I've had a lot of opportunities to see the good, the bad, the not so good, the crazy. And I'm guessing in this room, we've got it all. 
right? We have folks that are happily married. We have folks that are married. We have folks that probably wish they weren't married. We have folks that are divorced, that have been through pain, have been through challenges. And I just want to say to you, the Word of God is not here to condemn you this morning. The Word of God is here to lift you up and help to maybe put a spark of renewal into this thing that he calls marriage. If we could go to the first slide. Um, this was, this was what, what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 through 6. And I think that it's important for us to understand the basis of, of what we're talking about. He said, had you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his mother, uh, his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. See, God is at the basis of everything that we're talking about in this, in this, uh, over the next several weeks in marriage. It was his idea. It was his plan. And it is what he desires for us in our relationship as husband and wife. And when he says that they're not two, but one, I recognize figuring out which one can be difficult at times, right? Or becoming that one because we have different things that we bring into our marriages. And we have different things that we uh, experience every day. But it says what God joined together, let not man separate. And then in Proverbs 18.22, just another basis here. This is so important for us today. If we could remember this, our lives would be so much better. <laughs> if we would put this into practice, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And then Pastor Nick, I think, used uh, the next passage that I'm going to use out of Proverbs 18.22 last week. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. Sometimes you remember that passage. Yeah, it says, if I find a wife, I find a good thing. But it also says that you obtain favor from the Lord. Now, I believe this morning, as, we, as, as I try to approach this, this, this topic of, of how we enjoy ourselves in our marriage, that God does absolutely intend for us to have fun in our marriage. How many of you believe that your marriage actually, maybe I shouldn't answer and raise hands. I won't, I won't do that. I won't do that. But I believe that absolutely God's design for marriage is not just certain technical things. It's to make us whole. It's to create joy. It's all of those things that come with a solid good relationship. And in Ecclesiastes 9.9, he says it this way. He says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil and which you toil under the sun. And what I like in this passage is that it's not sugar-coated right? It's not sugar-coated. The, the, uh, the writer of this passage says that life is going to be tough. You're going to toil in this life. He even says in, in, in some of the translations, in the vain life that you have here on earth, 
Because our life here is limited, right? Our life here is time limited. Our life eternal with God is eternal. So in this time that we have here, in this little bit of space that he's given us on the earth, in all of the challenges, in all of the struggles, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. I do believe that God really wants us to have fun. I really do believe that. Christians, and specifically Christian couples, should have the most fun. I believe we should laugh the loudest. We should be the most humorous about life. We should enjoy life more than anybody else. And why? Well, I want to evaluate that with you a little bit this morning as to why you and your wife or you and your husband should have fun in your marriage. First, the two of you probably started out your relationship by doing what? By having fun together. More than likely, I want you to think back to the early stages of your relationship. You probably started your relationship by enjoying being together. Because if you didn't enjoy being together, that relationship probably never would have gone any further. That's what dating and building a relationship is all about. It's about building a friendship and enjoying each other's company in the process. You couldn't have been much different than, than Terry and I were as far as that goes. I'm sure that like us, you and your wife or your husband took advantage of every opportunity to be together and made those times fun. I'm going to stop here just for a second. I want to do a little survey here. How many of you have been married 10 years or less? Put your hands up. Okay, great. How about 20 years or less? All right. 30 years or less? Wow. Got some serious experience. 40 years or less? Do we have any that have been 50? Okay. Do we have more than 50? John and Wanda, how many of you guys have? 59. Okay. And how old are you guys 50 this year? 50 this year. 50 this year? Did I miss somebody? 60? 54. It's great to have you guys here today, by the way. You know, so we've got up 60. I think we have a winner, buddy Carolyn. 60 years and you've never had any problems, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and it, 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 it's interesting because so, and the reason I ask that is that we're all, we're all in different stages. But you know, God didn't design marriage just for a stage. He designed marriage for a lifetime. And um, so this idea of taking care of each other and enjoying each other and having fun together, it has to last past having kids. It has to last past the kids are gone. We look at each other and now what are we going to do? It has to last when we get into our elderly years and we're spending time together and we still need to be enjoying that time that we happen. So I'll ask you this morning this question just to, to ponder. In fact, if, if, you were, if you think back to the early stages of your marriage where you just wanted to spend every possible second together, right? You're having so much fun, enjoying each other's company, um, so much that you decided to get married and continue with the enjoyment. And then let me ask you this, today, what happened? Like, where are you today? Maybe you say, Pastor Greg, we're having more fun now than we've ever had. More than likely, there are some in here that are, that are going, it's just hard. Things have changed. What has changed? 
Have the cares and burdens of married life kind of rained on our parade, rained on our party? Is that's where you find yourself today, either you, your wife, or both? Um, I want to encourage you today. Today can be a new start, a new start to lean into your relationship and to start communicating about, you know what, how can we just enjoy each other a little bit more? The second reason that I believe that, um, that it's important for us to, to have fun in our marriage comes right out of the book of Galatians. As you know, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, right? Galatians 5.22 tells us that when we walk by the Spirit as a Christian, that there should be joy in our lives. Obviously, we have the joy of our salvation, the joy of eternal life, the joy that the Lord is our strength, but we should also have joy enjoying the life of living in the relationship with our husband or our wife. And I ask you a great topic for you all to, co- to have a conversation about after today. What's your joy quotient in your marriage? How much joy is there in your marriage? You know, she knows, have that conversation, talk about it. And then maybe talk about after you hear a few other things this morning, and, 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 and you know, and, and bring, bring things before the Lord. Come, what, can we do to, what can we do to lift that joy quotient? What have we allowed to come into our life that has just sapped us of the joy in our marriage? You know, third, the Bible says that laughter, mirth, and fun are like medicine. There is health in having a merry heart, in laughing a little, and having fun. This is, the God's, this is God's prescription for this crazy, hectic life we live in. And I'm going to guess, those of you that enjoy spending time with other couples, you probably gravitate to the couples that you have fun with. Am I right? Who wants to, you don't want to go sit around with a bunch of boring old whatever, right? You want to lift. You want to lift. You know, there are ways that we can get a lift, but the the, the most important lift needs to be in our one-on-one relationship with each other. Proverbs tells us that a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries up our bones. Why should we be the merriest and share laughter with our spouses? Because that is the one person that God put on this earth for you and said, I don't want that separated. If you took vows before the Lord, he's there. Now, sometimes we push him aside. Sometimes we don't accept his presence, but he's there. And so he's the one that said, what's been joined here, let not man separate. Fourth, there is joy in being married to the most, most wonderful woman in the world. And do you know who that is? Who's the most wonderful woman in the world? <laughs> she is. <laughs> Tom, who's the most wonderful woman in the world? Sue. So. You know, and, and maybe it sounds a little funny, goes without saying, but I want you to, I want you to focus here in a second. In your, relation, in your relationships, the most wonderful woman in the world, man, is your wife. And it's not your wife like she was 20 years ago. It's your wife that is sitting with you today or wherever she is today. And ladies, the same thing. 
the most wonderful man in the world needs to be your husband. You guys know the culture that we live in pollutes everything that we touch, right? The idea of beauty that we see in this culture, what's, what's, what's valuable in relationships, all the stuff that you see in the, in the media, on TV, all that kind of stuff, and certainly aren't going to go there today. But you know what? I, I heard a, a good friend of mine told me one time, and I, I didn't forget this, that, that the standard for beauty, and I've shared this before, the standard for beauty for a man, you know what it is? It's his wife at the age she is right now. My standard for beauty is Terry at her age right now. Think about that. Where are we getting our other standards of beauty in this world? And how has that polluted us such that it has kept us from all of the goodness of recognizing the value and the importance and the beauty of our spouse. And I would, I would suggest to you ladies, it should be the same thing. The most handsome, awesome guy in the world, your standard for that is your husband right now. That is your standard. That's the way it should be. And God has designed it that way. Hmm. So I want to talk about quality time here for a second. We hear about quality time in relationships, don't we? And um, uh, quality time is absolutely essential to a good marriage, to a thriving marriage, and really to any, any good relationship, but to a solid marriage. You know, we've had, Terry and I can tell you, we've had a lot of fun together over the years, but those times didn't just happen. They didn't just happen. We had to be very intentional about how we spend our time together. Before we had kids, we had time on our hands. We used to, do, we used to enjoy exercising, <laughs> camping, traveling, lots of long walks. During all these times, we were also sharpening our communication with each other because when you spend time with people, enjoying them, when you spend time with your husband, when you spend time with your wife, you're going to spend time communicating with them. When we had a family... We continue to prioritize time alone by ourselves. It is vital. You need to figure out how you can make that happen. And I know that it's not as easy for some couples as it is for others. For us, we were very fortunate that we had family in our area that could keep our kids if we went away for a few days or overnight. Uh, our goal every year when we were raising our children was that Terry and I would get away for a week together, just the two of us. And we pulled that off almost every single year because the stresses of parenting, you know, uh, it, it creates a different dynamic in the marriage, doesn't it? Some of you are in that stage right now, right? And I'm speaking to such a broad audience today, but some of you are in that stage right now where so much of your time, your effort, and your energy is going into your kids. And, 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 and I get it. You know, and it, and it has to. God, God designed you to raise your kids. That's not, you know, there's, there's nothing bad about that. The problem is, is that, and I, and I see this a lot, is that all of our energy sometimes goes into our kids. And so either, either there's not a whole lot going into the direct relationship between husband and wife, or what you're giving each other what are we giving each other? We're giving each other our leftovers, right? Whatever we have left, that's all we can give. 
But sometimes we need to flex ourselves intentionally to understand. And, and th why, the reason I say intentional is because these things don't just happen. If you need to get away for a few days and you need somebody to watch your children, you're going to need to ask somebody or develop those type of relationships where somebody can watch your children. I get that. But I would tell you that within the body of Christ and within the body of Christ here at New Hope, I'm going to believe that if you're struggling in that area, there are folks here that are willing to come alongside of you and help you. I know Terry and I would keep your kids. I mean, I'm, she's not in the room, but we, <laughs> we, we, if, if, we, if we knew that a couple needed to get away for a weekend, we would do it in a second because we know how valuable that was to us. It's just so easy to get disconnected, isn't it? It's so easy to get disconnected. And, and we wake up one day and we kind of look at each other and we go, okay, this one needs to go here. This one needs to go here. I'll pick this one up. I'll do this. I'll do this. When was the last time the two of you went out for dinner? Just the two of you. When was the last time the two of you went away? Overnight. Overnight is important. It's important to get away. Quality time matters. Distinctions are rampant, right? Life happens. And we've had to learn the hard way, just like all of you sometimes learn the hard way of how difficult it is to really guard your time together. And when you don't, you can bet you're going to end up seeing negative impacts crop up in your marriage. We've experienced that. There's been times where we've just, you know, and you guys probably have experienced this too, where you look at each other and you say, are, are, are you my roommate? Are you my wife? Are you my husband or are you this or are you this? Because life pulls us. It pulls us away. It creates distance. And, and distance is dangerous. Distance is very, very dangerous. When we stop enjoying each other's company, having fun together, doing things that keep us connected, and there's a distance there, there's always an intruder that wants to get in. And we have to guard ourselves very, very carefully with this. Um, in, the, in the book that we're kind of teaching through a little bit, Amy Grishel shares this thought, and I totally agree with what she says here. She says, I think the most important advice I could offer a couple is simply this, prioritize your schedule. Prioritize your schedule. Every couple of days, Terry is saying, come here, let's look at our calendar. Prioritize your schedule. Quality time together is crucial for a thriving relationship. If you neglect each other, even for a short season, then your relationship is likely to suffer significantly for it. For your marriage bond to grow, you have to be intentional. If you find yourself in a really busy season of life, understand that that is normal, but don't settle for normal. Accept the responsibility, and especially gentlemen, pay attention here. Accept the responsibility to invest in your romance. Make it, make a plan, schedule it, and then stick to it. What was it that drew you to each other in the first place? I bet it was fun, wasn't it? No matter how things feel now, in the beginning, you could just not get enough of each other. I believe the key to why that was true is that you were on the pursuit to know and to be known. You have to work to keep that alive by making time for each other now, just like you did then. Creating fun moments to engage in together, uh, to engage in together positively influences every other part of your marriage.
Now, physical intimacy is directly related to your process of growing together, and it can be a good indicator of how healthy your relationship is or isn't. In fact, if, if physical intimacy has been a problem lately in your marriage, I'd be willing to bet that you've neglected being emotionally connected in other ways. Now, I have no time to go into all of the physical intimacy piece of, 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 the, of the marriage relationship. But I will tell you that um, you need to invest in connection if that's going to stay a strong force in your marriage. And I believe that God's desire is, is, is absolutely for that. You know, I think sometimes it's difficult for the church to really take an active role in teaching about what healthy sexual relationships look like because it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And I am not going to do that, okay? I'm not going to do that today. Maybe we'll do a series on that, Nick. That would be, that'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Um, but, but, but I do want to share, because um, I'm trying to pull all of this together here. Um, if, we could go to, if we could go to slide... Um, uh, seven. Slide seven is um, Ephesians 5, uh, 25 through 27. You guys, you guys know this passage. This is, this is out of Ephesians um, 5. And, and for, for many, many guys especially, they love Ephesians 5.22. So it seems to be a particularly a favorite passage where there's a, uh, the word in there is submission, wives submit to your husband as to the Lord. And listen, it's, it's important to understand that because it's in God's word, right? I'm not, I am not glossing over that. The, what I'm going to share in, in 25 through 27 is the basis of how that practically should be playing out. Because um, I, lo I, love, I love how God uh, sets a standard, but then he says, but you need to set up to, the, you need to step up to the standard, right? It says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives. So guys, you've heard this before, we've heard this many, many times, but when you really consider the responsibility that God has placed at our feet, when he says, okay, here's what I want you to do, Tom, I want you to, I want you to love Sue the way that I love the church, okay? And Nick, you love Alicia that way, and Paul, you love Emily that way, you know, and, and, and think about that, put your, put your name in there, guys, that he is telling us that what he has for us is this incredible relationship that he's created, that he's ordained, that he wants to bless. And now, as an example of how you're going to lead in that relationship, you follow his lead for the church, right? Which meant that he gave everything. He literally laid his life down for the church. Guys, are you laying your life down for your wives? Are you truly laying part of your life down for her? Because that's, that's, that's what we're commanded to do, right? Now, the reason that I pulled this in here, and it's going to be a little weird, but then we're talking about physical intimacy. I'm going to tell you something, because it just popped into my head. <laughs> so I'm going to be careful. 
because I want to word this correctly, but I believe this is the truth, okay? If you are willing to truly lay your life down for your wife, your wife will be truly willing to lay down with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the connection. That's the connection. Are there other things? Yeah, all this, yeah. But that's the bottom line. And I do want to say this, because I'm going to move on, because we're going to run out of time here. But um, if that is an area of your life, if the sexual area of your relationship is one that has gotten completely out of whack, or just maybe not even, not even really existent anymore, remember, the God that ordained your marriage, the God that blesses your marriage, is a God that brought back somebody from the dead. And if he can resurrect Jesus from the dead, he can resurrect that part of your physical relationship, but you got to trust him and you need to take some steps to make that happen. And there are folks here that can provide good counsel if you're struggling in that area because that area is vital within marriage because God makes a point of telling us how that important that is. There's a, there's a passage here that says this. It's a 1 Corinthians 7, 5. It says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan might not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And Nick, as I was thinking about that passage this week, you know what my thought was? I have no connection. I have, I have had no practical connection to that passage. I can't think of one time in my life where I've said, I'm going to abstain from having a good sexual relationship with my wife so I can go pray. I'm just being honest. All right? I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. When, when Paul wrote that, Paul's assumption is that your relationship is healthy. Your relationship is so healthy in that area of your relationship that right now you can take a break. And you're going to focus on something because God is calling you to be praying about something. All right? And maybe this is a confession. I can't ever remember doing that. You know, maybe you guys do it all the time. I don't know. But understand, the basis of this is rooted in the health of our relationships. The health of that area of our relationship. I'm going to move on here because I've just kind of touched on this subject a little bit, but that piece of our relationship is important. It's important because God is the one who authored it. He created it. He knows how this stuff is supposed to work. And what we get bombarded with in our culture is all the stuff that is contrary to how God's design is for that part of our relationship. And we need to protect that and if it's time, if we need to repent and we need to move back, that's okay. That's why God offers us his grace. Amen? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out a little bit a different way. So um, the last, when you see, when you guys saw your outline, Greg, I'll ask you this. Couples who blank together, blank together. What was the first thing that you thought of? Couples that sleep together, stay together. Okay. <laughs> that's not bad. I thought when I when I put that outline out there when I put that out there I thought 90% of our of our church is going to look at that and they're going to go they might even fill it out before I get to it couples that pray together 
stay together, right? But that's not what it is. That's not what it is, okay? I'm going to tell you something different, and I'm not saying that the other's not right, because it is great. Couples that play together stay together. And I'm going to give you 10 quick reasons why, and then we're going to close this thing out. Why do couples that play together stay together? Number one, it can renew your marriage. It's not unknown. Marriage requires two people to spend time with uh, investing their lives together. So indulging in playful activities is a great way to renew our marriage. It's great for reducing boredom and monotony in our marriage. We get into these routines where just every day can be the same, especially when you're with, especially when you're overwhelmed with the responsibility of children. I know how that is. A lot of relationships go through tough times simply because of that monotony. Number three, it's, to, it's, it's great for communication. Playing together increases the opportunity that we have to communicate with our partners. Communication is required in any good, good growing relationship. So engaging in those type of activities increases our communication. It can also increase our trust in each other. Playing together can increase our trust together. Let's say that you or your spouse, and I, have, I haven't done this, but I know uh, families that have, or couples that have. Say you, you want to take a cooking class or, or a dancing class where the two of you have to work together as a team. This will require that you both communicate openly, but also have faith in the other person that they know what they're doing, or at least starting to know what they're doing if they step on your toes too many times. So recreational activities are also great for building trust. It's also a great boost for just general happiness. Let's take a moment to acknowledge the joy that every one of us experiences from relaxing or doing fun things or fun activities. Even if you're doing an activity you like, like painting or something like that with your partner, you could feel happiness as an individual as well. Um, make positive memories together. When you do novel and exciting activities with your wife or your husband, not only do you both feel great at that moment, but you also allow yourself to make wonderful memories. When you play together, it also... Uh, uh, generates a positive emotion for you as a couple. Engaging in recreational activities is not only good for you both as individuals, but it also is good for you as a couple. Number eight, the concept of compromising becomes easier to understand and implement. Cooperation and sharing are essential parts of engaging in recreational activities together. If your spouse wants to go hiking, but you want to go to the gym, then one of you decides to ditch their activity of choice to spend quality time with your partner. When you're out for a dinner, you both order, do you both order the same dish? Do you guys, do you all love the same things? Like if, you know, let me ask you this, a survey here, couples. If you were going to go out to dinner and it was the wife's choice of restaurants, how many guys would that be your choice as well? There's a couple where you kind of like the same thing. But guys, if you chose, it would be something completely different. Okay? I think that's, that's typical. And you know what? Whenever, whenever Terry says, I want to go for Chinese, I'll go. I, I, I don't want, I, I like Chinese. I, I would rather go sushi, but she doesn't like sushi. So we, we go where she wants to go. But 
you learn to compromise those type of things. Now, I, I would say this. I would not, and I hope you wouldn't do this either, guys. I know the ladies wouldn't do this, but maybe the guys would. Um, I hope you wouldn't pick a restaurant where you knew there wasn't anything there your wife would like, right? That, that, that becomes part of what's the point? Let's go out to a nice restaurant of my choosing for me. Now, that's where selfishness can, 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 can seep in. So sometimes we just need to lay that down as well. And, you know, I've gone, places, I've gone to places I didn't want to go, and it was okay. I'd rather go to a place that I, want to, that I don't want to go than to take Terry to a place that she doesn't want to go. Um, the, the last thing here, number 10, or actually number nine, it triggers sexual intimacy as a couple. So guys, if you just disregarded the first eight, listen to this one, right? Depending on the kind of recreational activities that you engage in with your partner, a lot of time can also lead to exciting moments of passion. And the last one here is it helps couples develop their rituals and their traditions. What do I mean by that? Recreational activities, especially new ones, also pave the way for couples to discover their interests together and establish some traditions or rituals that are specific to you as a couple. Now, God's word teaches us that Christian marriage to be stable and permanent needs to be built upon the foundation of an unconditional mutual covenant commitment that will not allow anything or anyone to put asunder the marital union that was established by God. To accept this biblical view of marriage as a sacred covenant means to be willing to make total, exclusive, continuing, and growing commitments to our partners. As important as it is to have private time or alone time when you're in a relationship, it's equally important to spend quality time together characterized by recreational, relaxing, and fun activities. A playing couple is a couple that spends time with their partners to do these things together. And these activities will bond them closer, experience positive emotions, have positive experiences, and build peaceful memories together. Godly couples who stay together believe in actions. It's not just important to have feelings for your significant other. It's important to express those feelings of love through, through meaningful actions. So guys, I've thrown a lot at you, right? But I think you understand the tone and the tenor of where this is coming from. From my heart, I believe from God's heart, God loves your marriage so much. Believe that. Believe that. He's in it. He will bless it. If we yield to him, he can take it no matter what condition it's in right now. He's a healer. He's a healer. Now, you might need other help. You might need other counsel. That's cool. We're here to help. But guys, God wants you to be blessed in your marriage. Ladies, God wants you to be fulfilled in your marriage. And I've thrown a lot at you this morning just in this, you know, in this arena of kind of spending time together, having fun, all those type of things. But I hope more than anything else today, that this will give you an opportunity when you leave New Hope over this week to talk. What's the condition? Where are we? What can we do to make this thing a little bit better? Can we pray? Father, it's good to be in your house always, Lord. And Father, you're such a... You, you, when we think about what you did for us, sometimes it's difficult for us to transition that into areas that are just kind of fun and enjoyable because we know that the cost of us being in a relationship with you 
was none of that. <laughs> the cost of us being in a relationship with you uh, was, was death and destruction. But God, you chose us. You chose us to be part of your family. And within your family, Lord, you want us to live in freedom and you want us to live in grace. And within the context of our marriages this morning, God, I just pray that uh, each one of us would examine where we are. And Father, that we would talk with each other and we would allow you, no matter where we are, to help it go to an even higher, more intimate level where we truly are reflecting the type of marriages that you've called us to live. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.